Hello, and welcome to Café Olé. I'm your co-host, Shade Jean-Jacques. And I'm your other co-host, Kaina Mondezir. Café Olé is a series of conversations focused on decolonizing wellness and reclaiming our stories through elevating the experiences and voices of women of color, specifically Black women. We will discuss topics such as gender roles, spirituality, sexual identity, and race as it intersects with healing and wellness. We want to create space for women to connect with each other through experiences and vulnerability. Be sure to connect with us on Instagram at Cafe Olé Podcast. Let's dive deep. Hey, hey, welcome back to Cafe Olé. This is your co-host, Kaina. And this is your other co-host, Shade. How are we today? You know, the sun is shining. Yes. It's already a beautiful day. Yes. And I just can't wait to soak up the sun. Whenever the sun is out, whenever it's warm outside, I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Um, I'm getting ready to brown poolside all day because it's almost June and I'm still wearing my winter foundation, which, why? Um, So, (laughs) yeah, I plan on getting at least three shades darker today. So I'm very excited. I'm excited for you. I'm excited for you. I just can't wait to actually have some yard or some outdoor furniture because right now it's just me a blanket and the grass which is not terrible that's all you need really (laughs) honestly honestly so I'm excited about our conversation today uh so today we'll be talking about the Jill Scott and Erica mashup and I call it a mashup because although it was framed as a battle I think what we experienced and witnessed was everything but a battle so we're gonna talk a little bit about how we experienced it some of the things that came up for us and why this mashup was just so amazing yes so there was a lot of build-up to this i'm doing air quotes again battle Mm -hmm. so why do you think people were so excited about this one in particular why were you excited about this well i mean there was so much excitement around this versus because these women are two of the most influential voices in R&B. Um, mm-hmm. These women are the creators of the soundtracks to our lives. <laughs> they provided us with words to feelings we didn't know how to express. Their words healed us, empowered us, taught us. And because of them, I feel seen and understood, you know? So I was super pumped about this. You just so beautifully captured why this was so important for me and what I was feeling while listening and just watching them and just basking in their glow. So thank you for that. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) I think especially that piece around providing a soundtrack to our lives and healed us and empowered us and taught us. Even now, like... Mm -hmm. I, I can I will still say the same thing. I've been listening to them for a long time. I would say more so Erica than than Jill, but their music is just always relevant for different reasons, but always relevant. Right. Um, many describe this event as less of a battle, more so uh, as an example of queendom and black girl magic. What was it like watching and listening, and how did you feel afterwards? I think, 
I mean, I really wouldn't echo, I, I actually would echo everything you already said in terms of being healed and empowered and teaching. And for me, it was, you know, taking a trip down memory lane because I can remember, like, I, I you know, listening to some of the songs, I can remember what I felt when I first heard it and how it resonates with me differently now um, as an adult, um, you know, as more of a self-aware person than I was when I was first introduced to their music. So excuse me, it was pretty amazing. Afterwards, I feel like I was on a high, like I was watching it with my girl Sophia. And we just kept sending each other voice memos, like just it was beautiful. Mm. And I just couldn't really it, it at the time, it was difficult to explain what I was feeling. But I, I did feel very seen. I felt like we just experienced some magic that I didn't know I even needed. And especially during this pandemic, it was good to just see these two beautiful black women just hold each other, uplift each other and just be in sisterhood with them. Yes. Like I felt so many different things after the battle. <laughs> like uh, I felt inspired, joyous, empowered, but also a little sad and lonely, you know? I feel like mm -hmm. whenever I'm in my feelings and I hear Jill Scott's cross my mind, you know, I just be thinking about past relationships and sometimes that leads to me like backtracking a bit. In the past it has, you know? <laughs> um, mm -hmm. But then at the end of the day and at the end of the song, when she goes, you were never good for me and I was never good for you. It's like good to admit that Though things may have been good at some point, things didn't work out for a reason and it's time to move forward. I feel you. That memory lane, that's some real shit. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I realized that I used to, like, depending on where I am and at what point I am in my life, certain songs, I'm like, okay, I'm not ready to listen to you again. And I hadn't listened to Cross My Mind in so long um, so when, when she played it, I was like, wow, like this really has me thinking about some people, mm -hmm. but it, it, it was fine. Like I didn't feel any type of way. It's just really an acknowledgement of a period in my life. That's no longer here. Right. It's over. Um, and just like thinking about the lessons learned from those experiences, but that like those thoughts happen so quickly because we're, then we're on to the next song. Right. Exactly. Um, Let's let's talk about Bag Lady. Because listen. obviously growing up, it's like we listen to Erica all the time. So I'm listening and singing and I don't even know what I'm singing. Sometimes I'm just singing like the song is beautiful. But right. I don't know how old I was when I really heard and understood the lyrics for the first time. And mm. I literally cried, like just sobbing. Because I was just realizing that if I didn't let go of the anger, hurt, bitterness, pain, and resentment, it would just consume me and change my spirit. And mm. I was like, girl, I don't know. I mean, at that point, I didn't know what steps to take to let these things go. But that was like the realization I had in my life where I'm like, you got to let this shit go. You have to. Yo, Bag Lady is that song that will always be relevant. I I think for me, I, I had a similar moment where I realized that I was holding on to a lot. Um, and I, I think a lot of it connects with my, like how I 
started going to therapy, but even through therapy, um, thinking back to like previous relationships and, you know, romantic and otherwise, and all the things that I didn't know I was holding on to. When I got to a point where I was able to, one, acknowledge that some of these things were there, but then two, actively work on letting some of these things go, the lightness that I felt in my heart, I I can't even describe it. I just felt like a weight had been lifted that I didn't know I needed to let go of. Mm. Um, And one of the things that my therapist mentioned to me is she was like, you know, your, your threshold for pain is too high. Just lower your threshold. And I remember sitting in silence when she said that. I was like, what do you mean just lower your threshold? How does one do that? Listen, and I, it, it, I mean, I think I'm still learning that now because I think there are many things that contribute to me feeling like I can, I can get through it all. Like, it's okay. I can tolerate so much. But what we were really trying to unpack is that in me tolerating so much, it really does me a disservice and also is sending a message to folks that I interact with, you know, about what I'm willing to accept. So as we were talking about lowering that threshold, it's like you don't want to accept these things, but yet you keep tolerating, keep telling yourself that you can hold all this stuff. You don't have to. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, that I really don't have to. Right, right. So when Erica played that song, I was like, I, I feel that. And it was good to, to listen to that song in a different space, in a space where I feel like I'm no longer carrying as much as I, as I once was. Yeah, that's good. Because that's something I need to unpack by myself later. But lowering <laughs> 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 your threshold for pain, I'm like, girl, I've been through a lot, so I can handle a lot. But mm-hmm. you know, going forward, that doesn't mean I have to. Right, and sometimes, at least for me, like in in figuring out what what she meant by that and establishing those boundaries, it was really uncomfortable. It still is uncomfortable sometimes. Um, and I, I don't know what I think I risk by establishing those boundaries. Maybe it's, you know, fear of loss of relationship or whatever. Um, but I had to, to come to terms with, you know, the fact that I'm deserving and I'm worthy mm-hmm. of these boundaries. And if, you know, these boundaries are not something that folks can respect, then maybe their time in my life is up or their, you know, their presence in my life looks very different than what it once was. And all of that is okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah 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 so let's shift a little tiny bit mm-hmm. to sexuality and sensuality let's talk about it because when i hear that i'm thinking jilly from philly miss jilly from philly okay listen when i first heard the lyrics i am not afraid to be a lady I am not afraid to be your whore. I said, she said, what now? <laughs> I was like, is she okay? Like, is she okay? Because you know, back then, I was super Christian. And I was like, oh, no, girl, this ain't it. But really, mm-hmm. it is it, you know? <laughs> um, I didn't start getting comfortable with my sexuality until I was around 19. And even then, I still wasn't strong enough to say what I did or didn't want or explore what I did and didn't like and it wasn't until like my mid-20s where I started exploring my sensuality Mm. you know growing up I was always ashamed of how sexual I felt inside and I hid it 
until like until I got out of high school pretty much um since I had zero sex education you know growing up in a Christian Haitian household my sex talk was if you have sex before marriage you're going to hell so damn um so pretty much all throughout middle school and high school I thought I was a sexual deviant because all I wanted to do is like make out with boys and like touch them I was always afraid of sex uh and the stigma that came along with being a sexually active teenage girl um so I suppressed my sexuality altogether but hearing Jill this beautiful intelligent talented and you know I use air quotes respectable woman be so open and sometimes explicit with her sexuality and sensuality it gave me the courage to explore mine Mm. Yeah, I hear that. I hear that. And I think that, so when you mentioned the sex talk when you were younger, <laughs> God, I, I don't even remember getting the sex talk. I'm sure I did. I just, it, it I guess it wasn't memorable. I don't know. Um, and similar to you, I, I felt, I always felt a lot of shame around my sexuality. And I don't think that it's something that I started to explore until I think, yeah, my, my mid twenties. I, and I realized that part of it for me was that when I was younger, like very young, like nine, 10, I could remember getting sexual attention from grown men and I always hated it. Mm -hmm. So growing up into adulthood, I always like sort of shied away from my sexuality because it was always connected to you know attention that I never really wanted Mm -hmm. um especially as a girl like it was just weird like I'm walking down the street with my mom and you with all your grades and you're clearly a grown-ass man like the things that they would say to me like they were explicit and so I I actually recently you know realized a few things about my experiences connected to that and my sexuality one i think i grew up with um a, a normalized fear of men because of those experiences i never felt like men would protect me i always felt like men would harm me mm. um so in in listening to jill scott and her music and just how she carries herself i'm she always spoke to me that in that way and I always felt connected to her, but I never felt comfortable with expressing that because I connected it with this one specific type of attention. Um, and I think the other piece of it is I had to learn that my sexuality and my sensuality is not for men. It's not mm-hmm. for other people. It's for me. Yeah. And when I realized that, I was like, well, God damn, you know, it's and not I, for public consumption. It is for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. So when I, you know, and I think that it's something that I'm still exploring now in a very much more open way than I ever did in my life. Um, But it it was nice to sort of get over that hurdle of connecting my sexuality, sensuality with other people um, Mm -hmm. and letting others define it. Um, Even this idea of sexiness, what it looks like, body type, actions and all these things. Um, and finally getting to a space of realizing that, you know, I get to define my sexuality um, and it doesn't necessarily need to operate within the same parameters as other people. So Jill Scott really did that for me through her music um, and listening to lyrics. Like similar to you, you were like, are you, are you, is she okay? I was like, what do you mean, Jill? What are you talking about? But I think she just exudes that sensuality, whether or not she's actually talking about sex or not, which I think Mm -hmm. is beautiful. Yes. Um, 
I feel like because I am, you know, a, a large breasted woman, I was always told to like cover up. And if I got attention from men, it was my fault because I wasn't wearing enough clothes. So I was never actually really comfortable with my body until, you know, my early 20s. And then I was like, hmm, there, there's something here. So, you know, I'm worrying a little less because I'm just looking at myself and it was freeing and it was, I was doing it for me and people, I mean, I feel like mostly like adults just didn't understand that it was for me. And I'm just like, you guys are freaking twisted. If you can't understand that I'm choosing an outfit because I think I look dope in it, not because I want someone to stare at me, you know? Mm. I I think, you know, one of the things that I'm hearing and both of the things that we're sharing um, is basically the ways that rape culture impacts us, all of us really, but specifically in our experiences from, you know, sort of having to unlearn these messages around if you get attention, it's because, you know, you did something. It's it's nothing. It's not too far of a narrative from if folks are um, sexually assaulted, like, what were you wearing? What were you doing? Who are you with? That type of rhetoric that really causes a lot of confusion and, like, internalized sexism that that really shows up in so many different ways. And I think in when you're thinking about, like, Black girls, Black women, and how we're already so hypersexualized in our society, um, that internalized sexism is also a racialized experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I love to tell people that you're my baby mama. <laughs> I am a baby mama. Because I feel like you low-key are my baby mama. <laughs> Absolutely. Yo, when Erica Badu shouted out her baby daddies, Sophia hit me up and she's like, you and Erica are the same person. And I was like, thank you. But no, really, I, I think part of the reason why I loved that moment is because, I mean, we hear the the language around like baby mamas, baby daddies, like, oh, I'm not trying to just be a baby mama. So when, and I mean, so when Zora's father and I broke up, I was okay. I was like, all right what does this look like for me? And I had a moment at work actually where, you know, one of my colleagues came into the office and she was asking about Zora's father. And I was like, oh, well, we're not together anymore. And she was like, oh, so you're a single mom. And like, I hesitated because I, I, there was a lot coming up for me in that moment that I didn't have the time and space to unpack right then and there. But it's like, well, am I a single mom? Like, her father's still involved in, his, in in Zora's life. And also, like, you know, we're co-parenting, but I am single. I am a mother. And I'm not a single mother in the way that, you know, we typically understand the single mother experience. So it was all these things that I had to process. And similar to how we talked about, like, redefining sexuality and what that means for you as an individual I had to do that for myself and it's like okay I am a single mother who's co-parenting I'm a whole ass baby mama and I say that because I think people you know I think people have always had certain expectations of me um (laughs) listen guys quick pause and shout out I hope you remember where you are 
when me and Shade, like when we were really young, we were close. And then there was a span of years where we were living too far apart and just didn't hang out. But when we turned 18, we started hanging out again, like heavy. And because I am more of a wild child, I feel like people look at us like, okay, so like not necessarily that I was the bad one, but for sure, if someone were to pick a good one, it was Shadi. <laughs> <laughs> she was the good one out of the both of us. And I'm like, even me, I was like, yeah, Shadi's a good girl. That's fine. Yeah. It, <laughs> yeah, I would definitely, it, it, it was evident, I think, you know, for other people like looking at us. And I was always like, why? That's that's my cousin. Like, we're, we're friends. Um, but it was about like, I think it was more so about like other people's ideas of what it meant to be a good girl and what it meant to not be a good girl um and for me a lot of that good girl rhetoric was certainly thrown my way so even connecting it back to like how we were talking about sexuality I think part of the shame and part of me shying away from it was also about other people's perception of me and that I had to be this good girl um Mm -hmm. so you know in thinking about other people's perception of me and like the expectation was like, okay, Shade, she she went to college, she got her bachelor's, she went and got her master's, she has a job, she's going to find a man, she's going to get married and get a house and have some kids and live happily ever after. And so when, one, when I got pregnant, you know, that, that was a thing. And mm-hmm. not for my mom. My mom has always been super sex positive, super like... She, she didn't really have any of those expectations or hangups. She's like, you know, I, she was always very clear that she didn't believe marriage was for everybody and everybody doesn't have to want to get married. That's fine. Um, but my father, on the other hand, it was a whole different story. Um, so had a baby, not married, but then broke up with the do- my, my, my daughter's father. That was a huge thing too. And it's just like, I I think for a lot of people, it shattered their image of me, which I was okay with because I was certainly not willing to stay in a relationship for the sake of perception. I mean, you were there and you know a lot of, you know, yes, it was certainly not worth it. And in in Mm -hmm. retrospect now, looking at where both of us are, I mean, I can't speak for him. I know I'm certainly a lot better off and I would be surprised to, to hear if he wasn't, but... I think that it was the best decision. And I think that when people think of a broken household, they don't consider that the possibility that two parents living in the same household could also be a broken household. So a lot of it involved a lot of reshifting and reframing and unlearning. So when Erica Badu was like, shout out to my baby daddies, I was like, yes, girl, you do that. Like, don't let anybody shame you for how many kids you have with how many people. Yeah, Mm -hmm. for some people, Mm -hmm. you may not want that. And part of that may be connected to how folks have been conditioned. And some people just may not want that. And that's fine. But for me, this is a reality. And I'm okay with that. What do you think um, makes it acceptable in the public eye for Erica Badu to have three children with three different baby daddies, but... I don't know, some, let's say just some rapper, I don't know these people, but some other woman rapper to do the same thing. And that's unacceptable. She's a hoe. She's, you know, a ghetto, whatever you want to call her. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. What 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 differentiates the two? I think for some people, like Erica Badu is certainly on a pedestal, right? So like they they connect with her, they vibe with her. And in some ways, they still perceive her as a quote unquote respectable woman. So her talking about her spirituality and her practices, and she's very natural in so many ways. Um, I think that for, for people, she's a respectable woman. So the fact that she is... You know, she has three different three kids with three different fathers doesn't really sit with them in the same way where some random woman from around the way, you know, has three kids with three different fathers like that experience is very different. Um, And I think that. You know. Yeah, it's I think it's complex. Um, I'm trying to figure out a way to articulate this. But there's certainly a double standard where folks can, you know, elevate Erica and in the same breath shame, you know, the woman next sitting next to her for having the same or similar experiences. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What do you think? I think that people hate black women for sure, <laughs> and they can't have too many black women on a pedestal. Listen, Erica been sitting in that seat for decades, and ain't nobody finna rise up to that. Have we had any new ones? Hmm. I, yeah, I mean, I think no, I think you're right. Because even even. Ari Lennox, okay, mm-hmm. who I think is like a new generation Erica, you know, in a way. That's big. Listen, have you heard Shea Butter? Yes. Baby? Listen, it's good stuff. I'm not saying that she's exactly like Erica because Erica is, she's a strange cat. There's like, <laughs> she's, there's only one. Truly. Um, but as far as like new age R&B songstresses, like, putting out like quality quality good r&b ari lennox is like on top five mm. list okay. okay but even so she's still young i think i think she's like 24 i want to say so she's a baby obviously <laughs> um but even when she you know talks about like her struggles with getting comfortable with her body because of how people projected like their ideas onto her and how she's like shedding all of that. And she's, she's still growing. I mean, we're all, we're always growing, but um, she's 24. So she's still going through her stuff. So when she be saying some stuff, people just like rash her, rash her. They don't like, they won't let her be great. I don't understand why. Um, but also she's, it's like, she's in the middle. Cause she's also not, like on Instagram all the all the time twerking so she's like she's like entry level respectable and I'm like I don't you just you can't please anybody and like I said everyone hates black women so yeah so as you were talking I had to google Ari Lennox because I realized that I didn't even know what she looks like I do listen to her music and she's by the way fun fact she's 29 yes what? this baby was born in, she yes really? she was born in 91 yeah so she's okay. 29 and I don't think I know enough about her or any like or enough about people's responses to her to comment on this so now I'm definitely going to have an Ari Lennox day it's going to be Ari and Erica because Erica is forever like people call her crazy all the time because she's just like 
she has human emotions and she's like, guys, I'm not perfect and I'm working through some things. Um, but people are like, oh God, she's having a mental breakdown. I'm like, what? Can she just live her truth? Well, I, I mean, I think that's the thing, right? So whenever we see folks trying to live their truth in the public eye, it's it's going to be received in so many different ways. And I would say that even Erica had that battle and probably still continues to have that battle with how people think she's too much or eccentric. And even thinking about how, you know, we've talked about for some folks that she's she may still be a respectable woman. But I then I think about the video for Window Seat when she was walking through the neighborhoods, you know, undressing, mm-hmm. and then she was just butt ass naked. I I said if Erica can do it, goddamn it, so listen. Can I. can I just tell you how much I love that video? I love it. I loved it then, and I love it even more now because when I first saw that video, I was like, wow. It was so impactful for me to see her, this Black woman, so free in her body. And, you know, at at a time where I was still also trying to process the sexual attention that I was receiving and, uh, you know, even unpacking that and healing through that. Um, But to see her do that with her fat old ass, I loved it. Because also, Mm -hmm. it helped me to think about my body differently. Because, you know, you talked about, like, having big breasts and being told that you had to hide it. I always had a big butt and I felt like I was always trying to hide it because I was girl, I know how to do Definitely not. And I'm sure not trying to do it now. But then I was like, okay, if I just hide it, people won't look at me. People won't, you know, give me this intention. And so much of my experience on a daily basis was wrapped up in thinking about what other people would think about me, what they would say about me, how they would receive me. And just like spending so much time trying to just really tone myself down so that I didn't get certain attention or so certain things didn't happen. And even talking about it, damn, that was so consuming. And I just, I want to hug Sade then and also lift up Sade now because it's, it's been a lot, a lot, a lot of growth. Listen, I love, you don't do it often. Well, I mean, when we're at home, yeah. But <laughs> a memory of your birthday last year, I believe it was, or the maybe the year before on my Snapchat came up. And obviously, you know me, I got to play birthday bitch for yes. everybody. And you were twerking in front of your birthday cake to birthday bitch. And I was just like, <laughs> look at my baby mama. Yes, yes. And I'm like, yo, first of all, I can't twerk. Like I told everyone, I really can't twerk. I... I don't know what it is. I just can't. Um, I'd be trying though. And here you are. Okay, you got all the twerk sauce, but you never, you never, you never let any of it. Out I know. Out. And I, you know, as we're talking about it, I'm realizing that even I, I still have my moments where I'm like, no, I'm not going to twerk. But then other moments where I'm like, I'm gonna throw this ass in circles. And I remember talking hey. to one of my friends because. I forget why I reached out to her, but we were so, and and now I'm going to reach out to her after we record this because we were like, okay, we're going to hold each other accountable for just twerking and being free in our bodies because it's been a minute. And I realized that because my thighs were so weak and I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. What have I been focusing on that I have not set aside time to wind my waist and those sass in circles? So I'm I'm committed to that because it really is freeing. I I actually remember being like shocked at how good you were. <laughs> Cause I was like, 
I don't ever see her do it. So she must be practicing on the low low. Listen, it's actually like, I mean, and now like, obviously we were living together for a couple of years. Usually I'm just twerking at random things. And because it's just fun for me, it's what my body does. So I just let my body do her thing. But it's mostly when like people like ask me like, hey, can you twerk for me? Or like I'm out and I'm just like, oh, no, no, thank you. I can't do that. <laughs> no, thank you. Right. So as we're talking, I'm realizing that there's still ways, maybe small ways that, you know, these things come up for me. Um, and I think is a good example of how like healing isn't linear. It's an ongoing process mm-hmm. and people have to know and learn and relearn and unlearn. Um, but yeah, I'd be loving my twerk sessions. That's why I'm excited for this next battle with who, who is it? Um, Saturday. Come on. We were just talking about this. Yes. And there's yes. actually two. Okay. Saturday. Oh, well, Saturday is, um, one twelve in January. I did not know. Yes. First of all, who are you rooting for? Why are you putting me on the spot right now? It's okay. okay. We can talk about it afterwards. I proudly, proudly have always been team one. That was what okay? I was going to say. Always. But then I was like, let me make sure that I'm not throwing shade at Jagged Edge. But I, I'm still unsure. But 112 is who comes to mind for me. I mean, no shade to Jagged Edge. But I just feel like, and also no shade to Jermaine Dupree. But all of his beats sound the same. Therefore, all of Jagged Edge songs sound Valid. the same. Valid. But 112. Yo, they was hitting us with them. Truly. Okay? I'm excited. Yes, but the one on Monday is Beanie Man oh, and Bounty yes. Killer. So we about to wine pun it. Just, okay? But I'm going to yes. do my stretching and get ready. I have yeah. to. I'm excited about this. Yes, me too. Um, What didn't we cover yet? Girl. Oh, yes girl yes so i like i mean this is gonna be a full separate episode but i'm just gonna tell all of our thousands of (laughs) listeners (laughs) that i am the self-proclaimed queen of the situation okay (laughs) i am i am god damn it let's talk about it next lifetime I appreciate this moment of pause. (laughs) (laughs) Because I'm like, we've been there. We've been there. I feel like I've been there too often where I'm like, this is why there's always been like a a question when I was younger, I would hear. And as an adult, I know the answer for myself. But as a child, I always thought that, you know, you meet the love of your life and you have your soulmate. <laughs> and then, like, first, oh God, we need to have a whole separate episode because I know I need to get over it. But you know how fucking pissed off I am at my parents and all the adults in my life who allowed me to believe that bullshit. <laughs> So that when so that when I entered my first real relationship, thinking that, oh my God, this is the love of my life, like, yo, we about to get married, like whenever the time is right, but everything's gonna be mm. listen, that shit fucking cracked and burned. I didn't know what the fuck I was doing, okay? I had no idea what I was doing. I was in the middle of it like, wait, 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 what yo, is happening? Listen. 
Yo, I everything you just said, and I always thought you could you only you could only love one person at a time. But as a as an adult, you know, as a seasoned adult, I know that clearly you can love more than one person. At Obvious. A time. Okay, so you just hit in so many things. <laughs> I don't even know where to start. Okay, let okay. Let's start with the whole soulmate first relationship only relationship bullshit. Because similar to you, I also bought into that and entered my first relationship. First everything, it was great, and then we broke up. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to have to have sex with another person. I'm a whore. Like, it, I really had to sit with so much. Like, <laughs> I mean, I was like, what? I didn't know any better at the time. But I really was holding on to all of these things. But when we were in a relationship, I was like, okay, I met him. He's the one. We were going to get married. All of these things. And they were really based on nothing but my conditioning that I didn't even realize was a thing. And when we broke up, I was devastated because I had like all these ideas of who I was supposed to be and it was all shattered. Um, and this person and I were still really good friends. We talk often, uh, but damn, I'm so mad that I didn't know any better, but you know what? We have these lessons for a reason. It happens. And the other piece you mentioned, I don't know why we can say, I love you to our parents, our friends, our siblings. But then when it comes to relationships, we think that we can only love one person in this way at a time. It, it doesn't make any sense. As human beings, we actually have the capacity to feel many things, oftentimes at the same time, for many people. Mm-hmm. And this idea that, okay, yeah. if I meet someone, I love them. I want, I need to be with them. Two, I can only love them. And three, if I have feelings for somebody else, it's emotional cheating. Oh, yeah. Am I yelling? I feel like I'm yelling. I just... (laughs) Listen, I want to fucking yell. I want to (laughs) yell. Yo, so, I mean, you know we've been having this conversation because I don't even know where to start with this. You know what? I'm not even going to go there right now. Not right now in this moment, but, you know, we've been having this conversation around, like, why do we think we can only love one person, which, you know, we know that we we can love multiple people. And, you know, I've been thinking about this idea that, like, okay, I love someone, but that doesn't necessarily mean I need to be with them. Part, I I think now... Just because I love someone... When I realized that one day, years ago boy I have to sit with it Mm -hmm. I have to sit with it it's it comes up against a lot I think that you know as I think about what love means to me and what relationships mean to me um and what I look for in partnership I don't believe that just because I love someone that they're going to be able to meet the needs I'm looking for this person to meet or you know that we're necessarily compatible. Feelings are feelings. Um, and we make decisions mm-hmm. around what we do with those feelings. So I can love you and realize that, you know what, we're actually not compatible or, you know what, these are some of my non-negotiables and it may not work for us, but I still love, and I still love you. And that's perfectly okay. 
Have you ever had um, a next lifetime situation? <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. And I think, you know, with this next lifetime situation is when I really started to think more heavily about love and realizing that one, that I need to decolonize how I think about love, right? Thinking about love outside of possessing uh-huh. someone. Um, you know, yes, I love this person and we may not be together and that's okay. We can still hold space for each other in friendship, still have, you know, the intimate relationship that we have. Um, and intimacy isn't only necessarily exclusive to monogamous relationships. That's the other thing too, um, that I think people often think that. You have to hold all this intimacy for your partner. It's like, no, you don't. I have intimate relationships Mm -hmm. with my girls. Like intimacy can be experienced Mm -hmm. with many different people in so many different ways. And I'm certainly not going to limit the ways that I experience that. Because for me, finally being in a space where I'm okay with my vulnerability and standing in my truth in that way, I'm not about, I can't put that all in a box. Like it, it took me so much to get here that at this point, I'm just trying to be free and I, and I feel free and in intimacy and free and vulnerability. So that's what I'll continue to do. And all of that is for me. Right. So. I'm trying not to get too into this because we will have, we have a whole episode mm-hmm. for this. Um, and it's probably going to be an hour and a half to. long. Um, <laughs> but um I just feel like all the topics we covered in this episode, just discussing it, it it helps the healing process. It, really it does. absolutely does. And I'm forever thankful for Jill and Erica creating space for us to, you know, be connected in this way. But also, again, even now and having this conversation with you, more things are coming up for me. And I so wish we were in the same physical space. Yes. Oh my God. You know what song came on? I was listening to the playlist you sent me. The, uh, yes. Verses. And this song came on and I hadn't heard it in a while. Like I listened to Jill mm-hmm. Scott here and there. Um, I mean, not here and there, but I listened to her. But this specific song I haven't heard in a while. Um, whenever you're around. Oh. And you know, this week, I just, I told you this week, I've just been like, an emotional mess not like a mess mess but I've definitely been in my feelings all week so when that came on I was just like oh god like we should definitely address this on the episode because it when she says I'm lonely whenever you're around it brought it brought girl can I tell you I have to put the song on repeat because I don't know why I felt like I needed to relive my pain in that moment, but (laughs) I was like, damn, I really been through some shit and just being miserable in a relationship and not being strong enough to leave. Like, I know everything happens in your own time and when you're ready, but that waiting period, God, a lot can happen. And that song just that song you know (laughs) I yo and I'm sorry for our listeners if my scream just like pierced your ears right now 
But I, I, I forgot about this song and now I'm going to listen to it again. I pulled up the lyrics. And so when you said that, it really hit home. It really, really hit home. And I'm going to save my commentary for the episode where we do talk about this because there's just so, 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 so much around that personally and just thinking about relationships in general that we need to really allow time and space to delve into this topic because mm. yeah yes uh so this mashup had over seven hundred thousand people tuned in yeah it was the more people than any other i think versions, yeah actually right? yeah um and it's just a testament to who these women are and and how they they've allowed their healing and their experiences to you know be a guide and a light for, for us for sure and when i think about truth and authenticity i think they certainly personify that which is why i think that met so many people tuned in because at first people were hyping it up like oh my god this is going to be an epic battle and before the night even happened they were like this this ain't that like they and people have been trying to put them against each other put them against each other for years for years mm -hmm. and i love that they squashed it before you know we we got there but then during it seeing how that you know what that actually looked like even when you know erica got kicked off and you know, Jill was like, let me find her song. And she played, you know, Tyrone. I was like, see, this, this is mm -hmm. that. This is that. I got, I got you. you, girl. Yeah, they were speaking life and love mm -hmm. into one another, like, the whole time. And that energy was radiating through my iPad True. into my Late. soul. You know, I was like, listen, this is what Seriously, I need. And day. I'm so glad that the that the playlist is on Spotify because now I listen to the playlist and I just relive those moments. But also thinking about like what my girls do for me. You know, I have, you know, a handful of people that are super, super close to me, you included. And that's what y'all really do for me. So seeing that is like, oh, yes, 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 yes. This this is sisterhood. Mm -hmm. This is sisterhood. Love it. Love it. Always. It every day. So, guys, sorry for all the yelling. And also, not sorry, <laughs> because this is us being authentic really? in our <laughs> conversation. Yes. Yes. You know, I mean, not to go off on a tangent, but it's me. Just a quick 15 minutes. <laughs> not 15 minutes, 15 seconds. I always try to, like, Si not always I used to like silence my excitement sometimes because you know people would be like whoa like you're too loud like you're yelling or like you're way too intense and I'm just like freaking SID <laughs> you know <laughs> I'm over it like I'm an artist I'm I am who I am. I flail my arms when I speak and deal with it or don't talk listen. to me. Listen. Listen. Kiki <laughs> is a true experience. And if they're not about that experience, then they're not about you. And that's fine. Keep it pushing. Truly. 
And on that note. <laughs> on that note, follow us at Cafe Ole Podcast on Instagram. We would love to hear how you're experiencing us, these episodes, and even just your experiences. And we really want to know, like, how did you connect with Jill and Erica? Like, we want to know about your healing and your journey as well. So feel free to comment on our episode, send us an email, and we'll be back. We have so much more in store for you. Yes, peace and love.